We're not going to waste much time, though, because uh, we, we have a very, very important guest as well that we're going to be crossing uh, live to in a second. And you know, though, that when in times of duress, as the ones that we are currently living in, there's that overwhelming urge uh, to turn inwards and, and look to what you know. And when all of those plumes of white smoke rose from the, uh, from the wood panel corridors of power, uh, that's over in Dublin over the weekend. It was no surprise, though, to see that Sir Bill Beaumont uh, being anointed the World Rugby Chairman uh, for a second term. Now, simply because uh, this doughty, lion-hearted former England and Lions captain has given his all to the game of rugby, a regular fixture in the game as well since the 1970s, I guess his promise of what they call then an evolution uh, spoke of safe hands, at the till in these extraordinary times. Now, the 68-year-old defeated uh, his former deputy and the ex-Argentina skipper, Augustine Pichot, by 28 votes to 23. And I am absolutely not lying when I tell you that the world rugby chairman, Sir Bill Beaumont, is on the line chatting to us right here in Marawa. Sports Worldwide. Good evening, sir. Firstly, congratulations. Thank you very much, and good evening to all my uh, all my uh, pals in uh, in South Africa. Thank you so much. I don't know when are you going to be in South Africa next, uh, Bill. Now that everything has been sorted out with all the elections and the voting and everything has gone through. Well, I think a lot depends on uh, on the on the virus. Uh, I, I know yeah. you're locked down radio, and I think. Uh, you're in severe lockdown, we're in severe lockdown here, and I just don't know when international travel will be lifted. But certainly, I would like to think that, uh, you know, we've got the uh, Cape Town 7s coming up in December. I've got that in my diary, and uh, I think, well, certainly uh, one date that I won't sort of uh, miss is uh, coming down and watching the uh, British and Irish Lions play the world champion Springboks uh, in 12 months' time. Yeah, I think everything is in doubt, including that as well. I mean, what are you hearing from your side? Because I I suppose as the world evolves and everybody tries to get back into a sense of normality again, Sibyl, we we never know. But I know that that tour was also being cast into massive doubt as well. Look, I think until we know what every every government, they've got experts, you know, far, far greater intellect than, than I have. And uh, I think you've got all the best brains on the planet trying to get a solution and find a solution, whether it's a vaccine and what have you. So in, in sport, we have to heed government advice. And I think certainly, I think the way in which we all traveled and lived our lives will change. There's no doubt about it. I think certainly, uh, I think working as we do at the moment could well become the norm, but I think the one good thing about sport is that it is something we all look forward to, don't we? We look forward at the weekend to to play a sport, or in an evening to go for a run, or to uh, uh, have a game of tennis, or sort of go to the gym, and then go and watch sport at the weekend, or play sport at the weekend. And it's very much part of our of our fabric of our lives, isn't it? Absolutely. Couldn't disagree with you more, uh, Sir Bull. I, I do have Tando Manana. He's a former Springbok. I don't know if you've read his book, you know, to be a black Springbok. Uh, he's, uh, 
he's my partner in crime on the rugby matches here and he couldn't we couldn't have left him out in terms of our conversation so let me drag him in to welcome Tando Manan. welcome sir uh, good evening to you, Rob, and to the listeners, and uh, also to the incumbent chairman of uh, World Rugby. Good evening, and uh, thanks for having me. Thanks very much. Delighted to, delighted to talk to you. Yeah. Bill, I think on my side, uh, first and foremost, I think what is quite uh, important is we've seen the last four years, uh, and I think one of the last four years, 10 of yours, one would always go to Japan. Uh, for me, I always see that as uh, a trump card, it was a new market that we explored. Uh, it was a spectacular event in Japan. And credit to Japan for hosting such a tremendous rugby right. World Cup. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, for me, it's just basically what is the major challenge then in terms of growing the footprint of rugby uh, if you, if you uh, look at uh, what you guys had done in the last four years? Look, I think sort of 10 years ago, 11 years ago, it was that we, we made the decision. I was one of the five people who made that recommendation that sort of uh, to go to outside our, our comfort zone to uh, to go to go to Japan and I think we were rewarded there I think with an outstanding tournament and also an outstanding victory by the uh, by the Springboks by the way and um, I think it's incumbent now on rugby that we it is a global sport and we have to look at new markets, but what we have to do, we have to invest in markets. And when I look at the, the continent of Africa, for instance, when I the what actually, uh, how, for instance, soccer uh, has, has grown in, 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 in Africa, and it shows the potential of uh, African athletes. And what we've got to do, we've got to get more countries, more girls and boys playing, playing the game. Simple as that. The more, more people we get... Running it, running around with a ball in the hand, then the more we will capture them for the game of rugby. I mean, I, I like what you've just said now, uh, Bill. I think if I, if I look at Russia and I look at Georgia, uh, those are the two nations uh, that are very similar to Argentina. Uh, what, what, what would world rugby be doing for them? Uh, the, the question uh, is from an aspect of Argentina being given more test matches uh, to finally doing ever so well in a Rugby World Cup in 2007, where they lost in the semifinals. Will, will you yep. be doing the similar with Russia and Georgia? Because those are close uh, to the in Eastern Europe, if I'm correct. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, speak of, you speak of Africa. What will you be doing for those two nations? Well, I think those uh, Georgia, you've got Romania, you've got Russia. That's sort of what, what we intend to do. And obviously... With this coronavirus, you've got to say that that is something that will be a huge challenge for any sport. And rugby is not different to any sport there, that it'll put enormous strains on everybody's resources. But what, we, what our intention is that we will invest in the regions, in regional competitions, so that these countries will in, in improve. And what we'll also do is maybe is trying to look at a, a, another sort of global competition like a Nations Cup. So you've got the opportunity to these, these countries to, to be able to play the top level, to be able to play at this top level. And so that is what we're trying to do. We, we, it's, the game is not about the 20 countries that play in the World Cup. What we've got to do is make sure that there are, we increase the level of competition at all levels and we increase 
the funding, if we can do, obviously subject to coronavirus, that, you know, we can grow the game in the regions. That's what we have to do. And just last week, before I give to my uh, compatriot there, is it still viable for World Rugby to try and complete the 2019-2020 World 7 Series? Would it not be better to declare it null and void? Look, these are decisions that will be made by governments because obviously, you know, you can't, you have to, the host, I know we've still got some serious, we've still got uh, Hong Kong potentially, still we've got Singapore, we've got London and we've got uh, Paris. And I think, look, realistically, you know, it is looking as though we're challenged to play these, but we have to wait for the governments themselves to tell us when we can or whether we can't play. Now, when you hear some of your critics, uh, Bill, then you know that when you're in that position, you, you can't be loved by everybody, that's for sure. Um, and, and some of them have said that uh, basically this continuation of, of your being World Rugby chairman uh, is seen by them as a continuation of some form of stranglehold by European Boys Club on World Rugby. I mean, do you feel that that is a fair criticism? And if you do or you don't, why? Look, I think I think sort of when you when you put your name forward for these roles, it's not a <laughs> necessary a popularity contest. You know, the sort of uh, you, you do it because you think for the best reasons. I'd like to look back in the four years that the, that I've been in charge. That certainly we've increased our fixtures tier, tier one, tier two by over thirty by thirty eight percent. We've got. Um, 30% of the World Rugby Council is made up of women. Uh, we have more countries playing the game. And I think what it is is to persuade the, uh, it is, uh, the, the established unions that sort of, uh, that we all have a responsibility to the game. And I think certainly the game is expanding. Japan was a, a great success. What we have to do We've got to get a new Japan, and we've got to invest in countries of great potential, like USA, like Canada, like a lot of countries in in, in Africa, and uh, and also make certain the countries who have been successful, who haven't been, who aren't successful now, to try and uh, restore them back to back to the level they were before. And just up on the Pacific Islands, though, I mean, how how can you make them? to be slightly stronger, more competitive in the future? Because that is one area that we would all want to see grow. What's the plan there in terms of getting the Pacific Islands to be stronger? Well, to get them involved in more competitions, and I think that's the same for all the regions, to get more, more competition, breed better players, and uh, that's what we do. I also think the World Rugby, we should look at the Regulation 8, which would allow players to, uh, to return to, uh, to be able to play for the countries of their birth or the country of their origin, if they've been capped by uh, by uh, by another country. So, let's say you've got a uh, a New Zealand. He played for New Zealand, but he's of Samoan heritage. Then he's not going to play for New Zealand again. And the, he sort of a stand down period. I think we should consider him being allowed to go and play a bit like the uh, for the the country of his, his origin. And you could say the same like the two Vinopola brothers who play for England. When they probably had enough of playing for England, yet they still want to 
feel a real affinity towards uh, Tonga, then let him go back and play in a World Cup for Tonga. Amazing, though. L- looking, because you're chatting to us here in South Africa again, Sabul, um, how was your relationship, though, with uh, South Africa, especially after that failed bid? Look, I, I think sort of uh, South Africa disappointed, of course, and I shared their, their disappointment. Of course, I did. You know, you don't, you don't like anybody to, uh, to lose. But, uh, I've got a lot of friends in, in South Africa rugby and, uh, you know, utmost respect. For, for the union. I see a lot of your players playing in Europe, by the way. My, my son plays yeah. for uh, Sale Sharks, and uh, I think there's certainly quite a few uh, uh, South African players in, in, in their squad that I see. But, uh, you know, utmost respect for Chief Executive Yuri Roo uh, and Mark Alexander, uh, you know, the chairman. You know, they've worked really hard for, I think, what a great result in whilst... I'm an Englishman. As, a, as chairman of World Rugby, you've got to be neutral. But as I said before the game, I can't help being English. And obviously, I'll be supporting England in the final. But well beaten by the better team on the day. And the Springboks were worthy world champions. And uh, it looks as though they're going to be here for a while to come as well. Uh, Bill, just from my side, uh, uh, just to as a follow-on to, to Rob's question... If you look at France, uh, in 1999, they co-hosted the Rugby World Cup. Uh, yep. They hosted the 2007, and they will host the 2023. Obviously, as South Africans, we feel that we were cheated uh, in, 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 that, in that final selection. But as things stand, uh, we, we've moved on, and we embraced the 2023 will be in France. What, what are you going to do to ensure that all regions have an opportunity of hosting the Rugby World Cup. The last time we hosted was in 1995. Well, indeed, and what a, what a magnificent World Cup that was. Uh, I think we've got the, uh, the World Sevens, which is coming to, uh, coming to Cape Town. I think that'll be excited. Another great uh, world, uh, world event coming to South Africa. I think what we have to do, we have to look strategically uh, at where we, where we place World Cups. Uh, this is something that, obviously... This is just me speaking uh, as an individual. I think that we, we have to look at uh, specifically where would it be best to hold a World Cup. And because what we can't do is just sort of obviously keep coming back to the same old countries all the time. It's uh, World Cups are important to take around the world. And that's what it is, a World Cup. And I mean, Gus Pichot, uh, is there not a, still a place for him? Uh, at World Rugby to help bring meaningful change, especially when it comes to the development of the game in smaller countries? Well, I think our manifesto, we're extremely uh, similar. I think we're, we're both committed to, uh, to grow the game. I think Gus was probably thinking that things weren't moving as quickly as he would have liked, and that's why he put himself forward, I think, to... Uh, uh, to try and move things on, on quicker, uh, that I, I think that I, I will move things on quicker, and that I keep coming back to the point that certainly, you know, there's always a place in in, uh, in the rugby in rugby for the likes of Gus Pichu, you know, because he's got enormous passion and expertise from the game, and I'm certain we haven't uh, heard the last of him. What's your take uh, when you look at the South African rugby moving north? Uh, what does it, what do you make of of it? Would it be better for South Africans 
and Argentinians to play in Europe? Well, I think I think the one of the major problems that we have is such a condensed uh, calendar. Uh, I think certainly at the moment South Africa very much a part of Sanzar, one of the leading countries in Sanzar, I think, and uh, being a strong member of that. I think what we've got to do, it is, it is up to South Africa to make decisions where, where, they want to, where, where, where they want to play. I think certainly we, what we have to do is, is ensure that, uh, you know, that rugby is a, is a global game. And I think that, that is really, really important. But certainly South Africa, I know at the moment, are very, very strong partners uh, in, in Sanzar. And just lastly from me, in terms of the relief fund of the COVID-19, as well, rugby, uh, has, has the, the fund been open for federations to uh, apply for some funding? Uh, because if you look at things, if you look at the American rugby also applying for, for them going down, which is liquidation, uh, and, and, and more well, to follow soon, is there an amount of money that is being made available for world rugby that they can tap into? We, we've made uh, $100 million available for countries in loans uh, to where they can apply so that they can help them with their cash flows, you know, to keep them going. It's a, we're in the fortunate position that sort of uh, we're a- able to do this because we had a successful Rugby World Cup in Japan. If, we hadn't had a, if, if we'd been talking of this virus last year, then rugby would be in a real perilous state and it is we've been able to reserve some money from that world cup and we'll use it to keep unions afloat and that's at unions and federations at all level just to take you slightly back to what yourself and Tanda were chatting about right now as a bull just to wrap up on the issue of the world cup i mean what are your thoughts about the idea of rotating the world cup itself look i i think we have to look at maybe is a different business. Is a different model that we, we look at World Cup, and I think I think certainly that there could well be a good argument to say, as I've mentioned before, that you look at where you place the World Cup strategically. And I think this is something that the World Rugby is not a Bill Beaumont decision. It's a decision for World Rugby to discuss and take everybody with them. But I, I certainly, from an, from my point of view, I think strategic decisions, albeit you know, you've got to have financial decisions as well around it because. You have to remember that it, this is the only this is the only source of income for world rugby. We don't we don't have any other sources of income really, and this is that we have to uh, we've got to keep the global game going. But I do think certain criteria can be looked at and to look at at hosting it, whether it's back back in South Africa or whether it's going to the USA, whether it's going to Australia, uh, Argentina, or uh, Ireland. You know the sort of uh, I think that that is a, a healthy debate that world rugby has to take, and sort of, uh, and I would encourage that debate. Mm. I know you skimmed on it uh, just now with Tander as well, but it, it might be important because the South Africans, based on whatever we always put forward as far as World Cup bids are concerned, so Bill, uh, you know that South Africa put up a very, very strong bid for the 2023 World Cup, uh, which, as we know, was subsequently won by France uh, under the leadership of your now vice chairman, who is uh, Bernard Laporte. Uh, where do you think 
the South Africans would have come short, you know, so that maybe in future we do try and improve. I mean, are there points that you could share with us? Well, all I'll say was South Africa were recommended by the Rugby World Cup board as the, uh, as the preferred host. So I can't I can't say anything. You know that they 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 fit uh, a lot of criteria. And certainly, let's come back to the point that I made before. You know that sort of it should be maybe we should start be looking strategically at what we're going to do because you know South Africa is uh, you know a fantastic uh, sporting nation. It's a fantastic rugby rugby nation. You know it's mm-hmm. got the infrastructure there, and uh, you know. Uh, I think it's uh, important that uh, we, we, we as World Rugby are very much aware of, uh, of our responsibilities of taking the game globally. Right, chatting to Sir Bull Beaumont, uh, who's uh, back in charge, as you know, World Rugby Chairman, uh, getting the great honour to chat to us here on Marawa Sports Worldwide across South Africa and the world, uh, just listening into some of the conversations, maybe thoughts ahead of what needs to be done post the, uh, the worldwide pandemic. And, and maybe a fair question again, Sir Bull, is, uh, you know, what you think should we look forward to? Or is it pretty much more the same after the so-called world, whenever it is, does return to a sense of normality? Yes, and uh, we wonder whether normality will be the, the normality that we've known. Yeah. And I think certainly uh, from, from a rugby point of view, what we have to do, we have to look at uh, looking how we can make our our tournaments more exciting. I think in South Africa you've got a, a great opportunity of, uh, of hosting the British and Irish Lions. I think that'll be great. That'll be a fantastic uh, series. I think it'll be a really great series uh, of rugby. And I think what we can look forward to is World Rugby endeavouring to put together a, a maybe a new Nations Cup where we can put something together and that uh, we can sort of make our international rugby even be more exciting. That's what we have to do. Mm. Thank you. And, 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 and obviously, what are the chances of it, like a global type of season uh, happening where calendars are uh, being more aligned between North and, and Southern Hemispheres? I think there is an appetite for that now. I think in yeah. the past that I think people have had their entrenched views and certainly probably in Europe have been more entrenched than others. I think there is now certainly... Uh, because of the coronavirus, I think there is certainly more of an appetite, and I know some uh, healthy discussions are taking place currently. So uh, I'd be pretty optimistic that we will be looking, hopefully, at a a more condensed international program that is vibrant and exciting, uh, that will uh, will interest the spectators, sponsors, and above all, the players. All right, let me get Tando's thoughts, uh, and then we'll start wrapping up, Sir Paul. Uh, I mean, obviously, very, very thankful for your time. Uh, Tando. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Bill, I just want to ask, uh, I'm very much concerned, especially in, in the rugby world of fraternity of the islanders. And here yeah, I'm talking of Fiji, Samoa, Tonga. Uh, I mean, uh, what, what, what is it that you're going to do? For, for those nations. Yes, earlier on you mentioned the Vonipolas, but most of those islanders seek for um, better uh, uh, sort of growth in their game and also 
the financial that comes uh, with it, Australia, England, New Zealand, if you look at those uh, countries who benefit from the Islanders, uh, can't you get a tournament to those nations and, and sort of bring uh, some respectability to their nation? Uh, I mean, if you look at Fiji, uh, they've entertained throughout the seven series uh, with pure, genuine, talented rugby players. What is world rugby uh, willing to do for the Islanders, especially those that I've mentioned, uh, including Japan? Look, I think I think what we are doing, they uh, we are certainly expanding the uh, the Pacific Nations Cup, the Far East Cup as well, so that sort of they get regular fixtures uh, in in those. The uh, got to remember that a lot of their professional players play in in Europe. Many of them play play in Europe and they play for club teams. But we we have to look at getting more and more Islanders going back and playing top-class rugby on their islands in front of their own supporters. That is, that is incumbent for us to do that. And so we're looking at the qualification. We're also looking at how to include them in this new Nations Cup. And, and I think in that, then we can, we can help reward the islands because I think if ever an area and a, a population, if you think of Fiji, a population, I think about a million people, Tonga, a population about 140,000. Samoa, a population about 350,000. You know, what of these uh, countries given to rugby? El- enormous. And we've got to make certain that we repay them. Mm. And, and maybe just to end it off on my side as well, Sir Bill, I looked at New Zealand rugby uh, through the chairman, Brent Impey, uh, who said this. I'm going to quickly quote from him. He says, uh, there is still a level of governance reform that is overdue. And it would be good to see the courage taken to make the decisions needed to ensure the continued sustainability and success of rugby globally, not just for a limited number of unions and regions. Do you have an opinion on that statement? Look, it's exactly, if you read my manifesto, this is a game, not just about select few, it's about everybody and how we can grow the game globally. And I think it's incumbent on us to look in... uh, in 30 years' time, that you don't have the same eight teams playing in the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup that you have this year. That is our challenge. We'd love to host you on the show. We'll be in touch with you when you come down. Hopefully, when the airports around the world do open up again to normal business, Bull, and we want to congratulate you once again and know how proud you are of South Africa. We're very proud of you and everything that you endeavor to do. And may World Rugby continue to thrive under your chairmanship. I'll be doing my best, and best wishes to all my uh, all my friends in South Africa. Stay stay safe, and hopefully we'll all get over this uh, this virus. Thank you very much. So, Bill Bowman, thank you very much indeed for your time. Absolutely fascinating conversation there with Sir Bull Bowman. Tanda Manana, thank you very much. Uh, maybe I'm a, I'll just ask you how you felt about that, and uh, your, just your thoughts about his chairmanship. Oh, well, I think uh, Rob. One, I was very disappointed in, in Africa. Um, you know, those two boys would have been critical uh, in terms of just swaying things around. Samoa, Fiji. Uh, you know, those four would have meant that uh, gas would have gone through, but it did not happen. But I think he, he understands the jinx that he's got to move a little bit quicker. He's a 68-year-old, Rob. You know, uh, I mean, Gus is 45, uh, and I think 
you know, the youth is, has become more intolerant. Uh, we need change. Uh, and, and, and that's the honest opinion is, you know, uh, he, he's the one who, who took us to Japan. And I think he'll, he'll forever be, be happy with that. But also, Rob, one of, I mean, he says when you ask him about the, the 2023, uh, so many things, I think, uh, went behind some envelopes or so some blatter uh, type of uh, initiations happened there. But I think also as, as a rugby fraternity, we need more uh, vibrant, more intolerant youth coming into the sport uh, because you don't want people to overstay their welcome. I mean, when he leaves in 2023, it will be 73 years. Uh, which means who, who comes in? Is it Bernard Laporte? Which means then, Rob, for me, is the Northern Hemisphere dominance will continue. So therefore, we need more nations uh, to, to really step up, but also understanding where we come from. I mean, if you look at England, Wales, Ireland, uh, even Italy, they enjoy three votes. Uh, that can't be. And then you look at your Sansa. Uh, countries only having, you know, not even same as their northern hemisphere uh, counterparts. Uh, so I think we, we need people who are going to be able to move around, uh, strategize in terms of a way forward for the game. And yes, thankfully, of the Rugby World Cup that they're tapping into those reserves. Uh, but also, if you note, he says they're giving $100 million. Oh, but at yes. the end, as loans, oh. that worried me. Uh, I mean, if you're going to give countries uh, that are feeling the pinch of the COVID-19 on loans and you are the mother body, uh, it just worries me, Rob, uh, especially mm -hmm. taking note of that in the next four years, you know, you'll be still be able to, re to recoup uh, most of the money that uh, you, you had in your coffers. Uh, but this is, this is the game. Uh, you can't give and then expect again as the mother body. You've got to write off at some point or the other. That's why you find uh, that it's so easy to manipulate these countries uh, mm -hmm. for you to stay in power uh, because you just, you just give them an open checkbook and you know that they need the money. And the only countries that are destined or in terms of assured that this COVID-19 won't affect them is England and France. The chairman is England. The deputy or vice chairperson is France. And those are the two people or two countries that are not going to be much uh, implicated in this COVID-19. South Africa is reeling a 700 million to a 1 billion uh, cost on such. So I think we do have a representative. And just before I leave, congratulations to Mark Alexandra for being re-elected. But I think it will also be time that uh, things move and step in the right direction. I think the footprint has been put down. It's been laid by Gus, uh, Augustine Pichot. And I think we have to follow suit and put pressure uh, to the powers that be. This is a game that is growing enormously. If you look at women's rugby, you look at the sevens. Uh, it's, it's, it's coming to the four way. They're starting to accept a huge amount of money, and rightfully so. And I think we need to equal the, the playing fields going forward. And I think the next time, a rugby World Cup doesn't matter if it goes to America or Argentina, but it should not go to the Northern Hemisphere for the next 15 years. All right, he's the 
EP Rugby General Manager. He's a former Madiba's Rugby Club President. He's a former Springbok, a junior Springbok, a Bulls and Hrikwas flank forward. He's an SABC Sport Rugby Analyst. His name is Tando Manana. Read his book. You'll be inspired. Thank you so much, Mr. Manana. Stay strong. Stay safe. Sanitize. Thank you, Budi. Also, social distancing, Rawa. I hope you've been doing that. Strong. Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been distancing myself from my shadow. You can imagine how difficult that is. Thank you, sir. Amen.